0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: From the Battery Street Studios of KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Thursday, December 9th. Yesterday, in Redwood City, at the San Mateo Courthouse, 17 years after he was found guilty of murdering his wife Lacey, eight months pregnant at the time, with their soon-to-be son, Connor. Scott Peterson was sentenced to life in prison. This was the much-anticipated re-sentencing. After a 2020 California State Supreme Court decision overturned the death penalty, he was assessed in 2004 at the end of his long criminal trial. I was there, inside the courtroom, along with only two other journalists, and this is what we saw. Only three members of the media were originally selected as part of a lottery of all of the media who asked to be credentialed or would be here representing their various uh, stations and affiliations. Only three of us were allowed in. Uh, I was one of them, and my guest was another one of them, Laura Anthony from ABC7. Who's a very familiar face and name? You've been in the Bay Area for. I've
2: been in the Bay Area for the better part of closer to 25 years. Okay, wow. Well, all the KG, KGO since 2001, uh-huh. and prior to that, uh, Crock. Okay. So uh, this case was one of the first big stories I covered once I arrived at KGO. Uh, this was the Christmas of 2002. Right. And my photographer and I, uh, Randy Davis, were dispatched to Modesto. We happened to be working, I believe it was Christmas Day, when we were sent out to Modesto because this young pregnant woman was missing from her home. And, of course, on Christmas Day, as you know, there aren't always a lot of stories. So that was the one we went and did. And uh, so we arrived outside her house. And at that point, there were very few... Uh, Media members there. It hadn't become a big national story yet.
1: So being inside today, having seen this journey from beginning up to this this phase today, uh, you had a chance to reflect on that at all?
2: Well, as I was sitting there, and and you and I were near the front because we did get those lottery tickets. I was actually in the front row. I think I was the closest reporter to him. You were. Uh, And I couldn't help but think back to that Christmas day when Randy and I went to Modesto for this story, and of course the first place you go is the house where she was missing from, and Scott, the husband, came out of the house, and he came right up to me, and he said, whose cameras are these? And I said, well, I'm San Francisco, ABC7. This is uh, two of them. I think we from Sacramento because that was kind of where the two markets meet. Sure. And another one I remember is a producer was a producer for Good Morning America. So they were there. And he said, well, don't take any pictures of me, my house, or my family. And... For the next 10 minutes, and a lot of the early video of him, is me standing there talking to him in the street, and he's got this baseball cap, and it's kind of pulled down, and I remember standing there trying to explain to him that, you know, Scott, this is one of the few times that I think we can help right? when there's somebody missing, yeah, and, you know, we're the ones that can get the word out. We're, you know, a big market, San Francisco. It'll get picked up by national media. Yeah. And if you really want to help find Lacey, as difficult as it is, this would be the time for you especially as the husband to get out there and do as many interviews as you could. Yeah. And he politely stood there and listened to me and nodded his head and thanked me mm-hmm. and basically said no. And the one thing he let us do, which I'll never forget, was you know the story originally was that Lacey was walking her dog in the park. Right. And I asked him if we could get a, a, a piece of video, a little bit of video of the dog, because mm-hmm. the dog Mackenzie, came back. Right? Mackenzie, right? Mackenzie. And he said, yes. And that was all we got out of Scott Peterson that first day. Mm-hmm. And then there were press conferences, his family, Sharon Rocha, who I saw again right. today for the first time in probably 15 years yeah. in person. Um, she She was uh, out there with uh, Brent and and Amy, the brother and sister. Uh, uh, Lacey's father was alive at the time. He was up there emotional, these these just heart-wrenching press conferences. And Scott wasn't up there. He was sitting back behind all the reporters Mm -hmm. with that same baseball cap on and kind of slumped down in the chair. I mean, given what we know now and his conviction, and I know today he was resentenced, even then, it struck yeah. uh, a lot of us as uh, a bit odd. Yeah. At the same time, everyone handles things like that in their own way.
1: And that's been the entire conversation about his behavior, basically leading up to when we learned a little bit more of the things I think he wanted concealed. Right. Uh, Amber Fry, mm-hmm. you know, being I think the biggie. Sure. Um, But even then, so you just kind of got a sense that this is not, and as you mentioned, everyone does handle things differently. Uh, There is no playbook for grief, for shock, for mourning and things like that. It just, but even that early, you could sense that it something was, just was off. Yes, and, and there you he go.
2: would explain that, and his attorney went over it again today. They in tried court, again today to. Yeah, right? that that the reason he acted like that, and the reason that he maybe tried to hide his face or wear the cap or stay out mm-hmm. of the limelight, was uh, that he knew he was having this inappropriate affair with Amber Fry, and he didn't he didn't want that to be exposed because then, according to his attorney, the focus would be taken off. The search would end for Lacey and so that it was in her interest that he was not out there. Um, You know, and everyone can, I guess, draw their own conclusions based on what happened during the trial and the evidence came out. I will say what struck me today, because this, again, is the first time I've seen him in Mm -hmm. person. I'm sure he didn't remember me, but I was among many of the reporters that were you know, had his cell- I still have his cell phone number in my in my phone. Wow. Um, he stopped answering calls a long time ago. But um, you know, just the swagger that he had then mm. I certainly did not see now. Right. And what struck me is he's obviously he's close to fifty years old. He's a middle aged man. Uh, he's been on death row for what, seventeen. Seventeen years. Yeah. Yep. Um, didn't see any swagger today I saw an orange uh, jumpsuit and Mm -hmm. uh, a man who looked like he'd been through a lot and has aged and was quite a bit thinner
1: yeah he was anything else stand out in terms of uh you know it's so hard to read facial expressions when half your face is covered up with a face mask and so that 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 was tough I think of things like the fact that he did maintain eye contact with the three members of Lacey's family that spoke her sister brother and mother Sharon um Yeah, there was
2: no like looking away. Yeah, there was. He He shook his head a couple times, but it was only in response to the attorneys. To the the DA DA speaking. DA saying some things that maybe he didn't like. And even then,
1: it was very brief. It was. Kind of would just shake it subtly,
2: but I did see. I felt, and again, with we all had masks on, so it's hard to see. But, um, and I was close enough into the angle where I could see his his eyes, and it did look to me like after. Uh, Brent talked the last of the family members that Mm -hmm. he started to tear up.
1: Interesting. I I didn't catch that, but I did catch it was Brent who spoke and Brent started off by (laughs) making a statement, something along the lines of Lacey was a person who was the life of the party He talked about her gregarious personality that we've come to understand because none of us met Lacey. But and the only time I saw him react was just a, a very subtle, very brief head nod. He lowered his eyes and nodded his head just a couple times very quickly. And that was it. Aside from making keeping that eye contact, that was the only yeah, and I interaction, like the I guess.
2: eye contact is obviously you know, something I'm sure he and his attorney discussed, and they wanted to mm. make sure that he was mm. respect, respectful. And if he's maintaining that he loved her and he didn't harm her and all of that, of course he's want, going to want to sit there and listen intently and, and respond appropriately. Yeah. Um, and, and I think throughout, his attorney made a couple of references to not wanting to disrespect the family of Lacey at all, to respect their grief. Right. Um, so I think that was all certainly uh, intentional. I was a little surprised that the judge—I uh, thought he would be able to speak.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I thought he might not speak by choice, given the upcoming, you know, litigate—or, you know, future hearings yeah. and things. But I was a little surprised that the judge said he couldn't speak. But hmm But— uh, in any case, I also was surprised that the attorney, his attorney, spent a lot of time in there and out here basically try, trying to relitigate Yeah,
1: case. Yeah, re- absolutely. Just reading more things into the record, both the legal record and the public record, because they're clearly not finished. They'll probably, they will definitely appeal, and they might appeal that appeal if it doesn't go their way. We'll deal with that when we get there. Last thing I wanted to ask you was just about Mrs. Roach's statements. Sure. Um... Brother and sister did get emotional, and it's a, a couple of times had to stop. Not mom. Sharon was uh, when she, I imagine her writing with uh, you know a pen or pencil on paper, and then you know maybe going back and typing that up. But every word was designed to make an impact, and she got through it. She didn't have that moment where she broke up or had to pause, and she delivered just. Uh, I don't know how you couldn't have feelings listening to a mother speak like that. All these years later, and man, like going through and and, and and ticking off dates. Like, you know what you were doing 19 years ago today? You know, this one. You know what you did 19 years ago tomorrow? You bought the boat. Where right. you dump my daughter in the bed. Ba- and I'm just sitting there like, getting goosebumps just describing well, it back the, to you. Well, the part
2: I hadn't heard, you know, like I said, I was there early on. and then I, But I did not, because just my geographic beat is the East Bay and yeah. beyond. When the trial came here to Redwood City, I didn't cover it. I covered the preliminary hearing in mm-hmm. Modesto. I had never heard the story about uh, Sharon and her then husband, husband Ron mm-hmm. Gransky, who's since passed away. They were over uh, at their house for dinner. And on
1: the fifteenth of yes, December. And
2: her, I had never heard that story where she's saying, you know, you were, you were telling us this and that, and now I know in, in, that, right. you know, and he's. How was the ultimatum
1: Pass? That, and you, you just, you chuckled and were like, oh, it's okay. It, it you, and now I know, lies. you never went.
2: And yes, and just yeah. that was chilling. And I'm sure she's running that night over in yeah. her head. She still is. I will say, I think, watching her, I think she's on a mission, mm-hmm. and it's to bring justice for her daughter and for Connor and so whatever breaking down she wanted to do she probably did before and after yeah. but in that moment she was going to look at him and I mean what I heard at more so than from the brother and the sister was anger oh for sure just anger yeah
1: and that was the I think the biggest kind of question that I had was what would the different spectrums of emotions be? Uh, grief, sadness, and anger all these years later. And as, as her brother and sister said, that it impacts their lives differently today than it did 17 years ago. So they think about it every single day because they've gone on to start their own families. And they're very aware that their children will never meet their Aunt Lacey or their cousin Connor. And that was pretty impactful, at least to me as well. Well,
2: and the fact that, that he would I was trying to think, okay, how old would the baby be? Yeah. I was thinking 14, 15 again. Oh, and man. And she said uh, he would be 18. And I'm like, whoa. You and know then what?
1: she followed that by saying he'd be 18 and you'd be clear of any child support right, payments right, or anything. Right. So
2: whatever you thought you yeah. were going yeah. to accomplish, yeah. So anyway, it was, yeah, I... Very much wanted to be here today because, uh, for me, it kind of brings that story full circle. It does, yeah.
1: Great conversation, great insight. Thank you, Laura, for your time. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you again to ABC7's Laura Anthony. And thank you for listening. If you're enjoying Bay Current, please subscribe on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And you can catch every episode of Bay Current on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. There's a link in the show notes. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. (sighs)
0: Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact